0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from The Young Turks, Tom Hartman, The Jimmy Dore Show, Mumi Abu-Jamal, Blacking It Up, and The David Pakman Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode poses the risk of making you feel guilty of up to three privileges you may have, one of which you may never have heard of.
1: John Derbyshire is uh, apparently a well known conservative. He has written for the National Review for a long time, and he's well respected uh, uh, by other conservatives. Now, in 2003, he really basically hinted that uh, he was, he didn't hint, he said that he was uh, homophobic and racist, but that he was a tolerant one. We'll get back to that. Um, so, and he never uh, retracted that, but people thought, oh, come on, you're not really racist, are you? Well, it turns out he is. Uh, because when writing, not for the National Review but for a magazine called Tacky, I guess, um, he decided to write his version of the talk, but this time for white people. Now, African Americans have the talk, as people have been writing about recently, because the Trayvon Martin case, with their kids, and the talk is, "Hey, listen, be careful when you're out there. Don't talk back to the cops, etc. All these different things that you got to watch out for, because there's some chance that." there you might be faced with discrimination out there and that discrimination might literally be dangerous it might be a danger to your life so derbyshire says well i got to have this talk with my kids too but they're white and so i got to warn them about black people uh-oh interesting so what does he warn them about here we go he says avoid concentrations of blacks not all known to you personally stay out of heavily black neighborhoods if planning a trip to a beach or amusement park at some date, find out whether it's likely to be swamped with blacks on that date. Neglect of that one got me the closest I have ever gotten to death by gunshot. <laughs> you know how those blacks are. Continues Do not attend events likely to draw a lot of blacks. If you're at some public event at which the number of blacks suddenly swells, leave as quickly as possible. Now, is anyone confused yet as to whether this guy's a racist or not? Okay. Any doubts? <laughs> okay. See a lot of black folks run for the hills. Literally, what he's saying, okay, okay. Uh, but it gets worse. So he continues: Do not act the good Samaritan to blacks in apparent distress, e.g., on the highway. So not only should you run away from blacks, but if they're in trouble, don't bother helping them like you would with other human beings, because they're black. <laughs> Come on. Now I don't know if he's saying here that who cares about blacks? They're not their lives aren't valuable. So if they're in distress, obviously you ignore them. Or it's some elaborate ruse, like, oh, you go to help a black person, but then, of course, they get you. Why? Because they're black. All right, he continues if accosted by a strange black in the street, smile and say something polite, but keep moving. Now, I like that one because uh... he's beginning to tell you how he deceives people on a regular basis. Like, so you're racist, but don't let the blacks know. I mean, obviously, just. Be like, oh, be polite. Like, oh, right. Well, of course, I have no problems with you, but secretly, I'm thinking I gotta get out of here because you're black. Okay. Now, this is what is being quoted by most of the press, and then uh, the National Review wound up firing him. I'll get to their expla- explanation in a second. But I actually thought other parts of the, his uh, article were much worse. Now, let's talk about what he said about intelligence. So here we go on things that uh, John Derbyshire has made up in his mind. Uh, one. Here we go, only one black in six is more intelligent than the average white. Five whites out of six are more intelligent than the average black. I love how specific this stuff is. These differences show in every test of general cognitive ability that anyone of any race or nationality has yet been able to devise. They are reflected in countless everyday situations. Life is an IQ test. Now, I love this quote, why? First, I like the specificity with which he has made up numbers five out of six whites are smarter than the average black guy. and one out of six, right and then second of all he says I got this idiot blacks and he writes it down in some in an article that will obviously get him fired even if he believes this stuff think about how stupid it is to write this down in a way that it's going to cost you your job who's stupid now john derbyshire so life is an iq test isn't it and you just failed it And telling me about how uh, blacks aren't bright enough. (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, more absurd facts made up out of John Derbyshire's, uh, to be polite, we'll say out of his head. Okay. Uh, Talking about uh, African Americans overall, he says, let me give you the exact quote here. I got to get you the first part too. Uh, Okay, here we go. A small cohort of blacks, in my experience, around 5%. Is uh, ferociously hostile to whites and will go to great lengths to inconvenience or harm us. Again, I love the specificness of this. Uh, 5%. Very hostile to whites. Uh, A much larger cohort of blacks, around half, will go along passively if the 5% take leadership in some event. They will do, do this out of racial solidarity, the natural willingness of most human beings to be led, and a vague feeling that whites have it coming. Okay. So here are more made-up facts. Five uh, percent of blacks are hostile to whites. Where did he get that fact? I don't know. And then fifty percent will go along with the five percent that are hostile if you're in a crowd of blacks, which I already told you to avoid by not going to great adventure. Okay. Okay. Um but here's one of my favorite quotes from the article. So he's already told you what a wild racist he is, how he thinks all blacks are dangerous, you should never help them, they're all stupid. Uh, or most of them are stupid, uh, and that they will uh, probably try to uh, hurt you, especially if they're in a large crowd. Now, he's gonna say, nonetheless, you should be friends with some blacks. Oh, that's interesting. Now, why is that? He explains. In that pool of 40 million African Americans that he's referring to, there are nonetheless many intelligent and well socialized blacks. You should consciously seek opportunities to make friends with what he calls those intelligent and well socialized blacks. In addition to the ordinary pleasures of friendship, you will gain an amulet against potentially career destroying accusations of prejudice. So, in other words, be horribly racist, but have a couple of fake black friends, or perhaps even real black friends, so that you can say, I'm not prejudiced, I have a black friend. I've never seen anyone lay out How conservatives work any more honestly than this guy has. I mean, this is conservative 101, but they're not supposed to say it, okay? But here is this guy saying, yeah, of course, our few black friends are the guys that we use as an amulet to protect us so that you don't charge us with racism when we're obviously racist. But the way he phrases it gets even more offensive finally here when he says, unfortunately, the demand is greater than the supply. So intelligent and well-socialized blacks are something of a luxury good like antique furniture or corporate jets. Well, what does that harken back to? I think it's fairly obvious. So, I would like to acquire this black friend as I would furniture because he will protect me from charges of racism. Well, now you know how they work. Uh and by the way that is why A lot of the conservative writers are furious with John Derbyshire now. And uh, Matt Lewis of the Daily Caller said he has done more damage to the conservative cause than any liberal could have dreamed of doing. Why? Because he let us know how they all actually think. Now, does every conservative in the country think this way? No, of course not. Do a lot of them think this way? Apparently so.
2: Gary, uh, listening to KABQ in Albuquerque. Gary, you were telling a story, and uh, we hit the break, and I just I, I don't I don't have any control over those. They they happen when they happen, <laughs> and so uh, well, you're
3: doing a good job. Man. I wanted to hear the rest
2: but, of your story, so, so g- why don't you just right. reboot the whole thing? Okay.
3: Well, I'm driving down the street with a buddy. It's about three a.m. in the morning. We Los just Angeles. had a good time at a party, Los Angeles, California, uh, in the middle of the city. And we're just seeing a black man being beat to death with a muffler by uh, two cops. And we're like, whoa, what's going on? And I hit the brakes. We stop. We're looking over. See these two cops over there? We're looking over our right shoulders. And then within seconds, I there was a gun underneath my left earlobe. And I could feel the cold steel and hear the like it was gun smoke or something. I could hear the trick hmm. of the clip of the uh, of the gun. Yeah. And so I'm like, what? So I didn't move my head, but I looked into the mirror, and it was a Los Angeles cop. All we did was stop and look to see what was going on. Yeah. And then I looked to my right, and I had my passenger in the right seat, and it was my friend Herman, and he had a gun straighted uh, to his frontal lobe by another cop. Hmm. And so I just froze. Yeah. And I just and I was about this kid's age. I'm fifty four now, fifty five. I was eighteen. And mm-hmm. all we were doing was driving and just stopped when we saw this basically a crime being committed. Yeah. And so uh the cop who had the gun right underneath my left lobe just said to me, You he used the M word, better get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, no, you saw all three of us die. Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't help that guy who was getting beat by the muffler. He looked like he may have already been dead. Yeah. And so I hit the brakes, took off. Yeah. But my parents did teach me as I grew up that any time you were confronted by the kind of man like Zimmerman, is that the first thing you do, and I'm a pretty big guy. You know, i slam dunk in the, in the old days. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, my parents told me Put your hands in the air when somebody is intent on harming you. Isn't that the story, man?
2: Is you know this is this is the thing that uh, Gary, that I think most white parents, um, many many white parents before this before the Trayvon Martin shooting, never realized, is that Mm -hmm. is that African American parents have to have this conversation with their children. That, awesome. that that white parents not only don't ever have to have but never even imagined that anybody else had to have and mm. every every person that i know who's african american has you know when this topic comes up has told me stories out of their childhood or t- uh, people my age told me about the story that they had to tell their kids and um, if you could speak to that you know what what you were told by your parents or what you oh, have said to your children
3: you know, put my hands in the air, and yeah. I always did, and I had to uh, do it. And I've traveled the world, you know, mm-hmm. and I I had to do it in uh, 1973 in Beverly Hills. I had to do it in 1981 in Denmark. I had to do it again in 1986 in Spain, uh, Madrid, Spain. Then I had to do it in West Berlin uh, when was, the wall was still up. Also mm-hmm. in 1986. And then now I'm in Albuquerque. I've had to do it in 2008, so it's been like about seven times that I experienced with this kid who got murdered. Experienced, and each and every time I did with my mom, my dad told me to do: put your hands in the air yeah. and surrender.
2: Yeah. But what Trayvon had, did was he he ran away.
3: Twice was, well, twice. Yeah. Well, twice it was with cops.
2: Yeah.
3: And there was one time when all of a sudden there were like three cops. All I was doing was walking to a friend's house in Beverly Beverly Hills, and cops had the guns on, the cop had a gun on me. I was just walking down the street, hadn't done nothing. Yeah. I put my hands in the air, and then three or four other cops drove up and said, put your hands down. Yeah. I just said, no, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna shoot me, you're gonna do it with my hands up. Yeah. Yeah. At least when I I, I fall over, <laughs> yeah. my hands hopefully will still be up. But yeah, there'll yeah, be some no,
2: record it, of it. But this it's, is it's a real but problem. And, yeah, and this is and 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 Trayvon instead of stopping and putting his hands up, he said, "I'm going to walk away from this guy." And and uh, George Zimmerman followed him for apparently a couple of blocks. You know, he's talking to the police through the whole thing. And uh, man, it's a tough one. Gary, thank you. Thank, thank you,
3: you, thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you for great. the call. Thank you for sharing
2: okay. your story with us. I I do appreciate it. Does
0: To set us right about
4: what 's wrong with race in America then bill o 'Reilly, mm-hmm. somebody who obviously understands it right, and, but do you
5: understand no. what the New York Times wants and the far left want? They want to break down the white Christian male power structure of which you 're a part, and so am I, and they want to bring in millions of foreign nationals to basically break down the structure that we have. In that regard, Pat Buchanan is right. So I say that you've got to cap it
4: with a number. in America. So what... He's talking about what? immigration. He's talking about immigration. That they want to bring in Mexicans to break down the I thought people.
6: cap it meant shooting someone.
4: Oh, no, no. You've got to cap it. You've got, uh. you got to cap the number of people. He's talking to John McCain, and he's saying you've got to cap the number of people that uh, you're allowed to come in here, or else they're going to screw up our white Christian people. Well, yeah, that
6: is that is the whole argument that Pat Buchanan has been making for yeah. years and made in his recent book, is that the fact that our... our um society is becoming more multicultural all the time is is going to hurt our society because it's not going to be done eventually yes. white people are not going to be in the majority anymore yeah. and that has to be prevented at all costs yes we have to keep our majority we yes. have to keep the white male christian uh and, bla- and bill o'reilly is blatantly say- saying that in he that just clip said it. yeah he
4: just
7: because said it.
6: these guys know how badly minorities get treated <laughs>
7: they don't
2: want it to happen to them <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Everyone hates minorities.
4: Well, and here's another ex- good example of Bill O'Reilly having a good grasp understanding of race relations in America. Here he is giving a speech to the Black Action Network a couple of years ago. Okay, and first of all, I just want to remind everybody before I play this clip that racism is over in America. (laughs) We all know that, and we proved it by electing an African socialist who hates America. That's how you proved it. And, uh, okay, so here's what Bill O'Reilly had to say in front of the Black Action Network.
5: It's a much more interesting country, America, if we stop with the race business, I think.
4: (laughs) And by, and by more interesting, he means uh, still racist, but no longer feeling guilty about it. Right, okay? right that's okay. a good feeling. So that's what he means. Okay,
5: it's a much more interesting country, America, if we stop with the race business. I think. I mean, I'm not black, so I don't know your struggle, um, and you don't know my struggle. All right, because you're not white. But after.
6: <laughs> you, you know, don't know how hard it is when you're white you
4: know what it's like to be stuck in escrow over the summer do you know <laughs> do you know how hard it is to find a brooks brothers on long yeah. island on a sunday yeah. come on do you know?
6: do you know the kind of problems you available? know how hard it is for a big celebrity like me to cheat on his wife without
7: getting sued
6: it's almost impossible yeah it's, I, de- it's definitely going to have to pay off at least three or four people
7: i i don't know what it's like to have my nose pressed to the window and you don't know what it's like To have to stuff yourself with candy inside the store. (laughs) Okay. All right, because you're not white. But after 9-11, we we pretty much dropped that race stuff,
5: did we not? We pretty much were all Americans there, right? right. Hooray. I I hear yes, I hear no. (laughs) No, you hear no. You hear no.
4: (laughs) You hear no yeses. No yeses at all. They don't know Bill O'Reilly's struggle. Bill <laughs> O'Reilly has to live in a country that's 12% black. Okay? Talk about that kind of a struggle. It's got to
7: hurt. Uh, and, and now 0.01% Muslim.
4: Yeah. 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 After 9-11, we dropped that racism stuff. We went after our real enemies, the tall heads. (laughs) That's right. We're done with that. And it's a more interesting country now because there's nothing more boring than people demanding justice without any money to pay for it. They're broke, (laughs) these people. Ugh, Boo all you want. The Supreme Court's going to abolish affirmative action. That's all. Five to four. Uh, and by the way, he, he loves Louis Armstrong, too. He forgot to add that. <laughs>
8: <laughs> You're Louis Armstrong.
4: <laughs> there can't be any more racism in America, or else Bill wouldn't be dignifying all
7: you people just by being there. <laughs> so that's p- How could I be racist if I paid uh, for a ticket to see Electric Boogaloo?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so Bill O'Reilly is upset that the liberal media is exploiting this Trayvon Martin case. That's what he's upset, Ugh. that they're using this to exploit, even though nobody would know about this case if they didn't make a big deal out of it, mm-hmm. and there still still hasn't been an arrest. So no matter how much they're screaming, this guy still can't get arrested for killing someone in cold blood. So Bill O'Reilly, though, no stranger, no stranger to exploiting someone else's tragedy uh, to further uh, race bait. Ready? Now I just want to get this straight. So I don't know if you remember, there was a case of a... Uh, a white girl who was killed by a, a Mexican drunk driver, and the Mexican was an illegal immigrant. Now, Bill thought that this was a perfect time to demonize illegal immigrants as if they're all drunks, mm-hmm. and he had Araldo on to point out to him that no, it doesn't matter what this if guy's, if guy's Mexican, Russian, Italian, Pol- the fact that it's drunk driving is bad, mm-hmm. right? But that's Bill misses that point. You, over Rivera, with teenage daughters, right. are telling me that you are okay
5: with it and somebody sneaking into the country becoming drunk get convicted of a DUI and staying here. My, You're all right My nightmare is my daughter's
9: having anything Are to do okay with a drunk... That. Let me finish my answer. My nightmare is my daughter's having anything to do with a person driving drunk. That's my nightmare. Okay. It could be a Jewish drunk. The it could Scott be a Polish to drunk. Be here. It could be an Irish drunk. No. It could be an Italian drunk. American what the crime hell difference does it, it make? It makes plenty of difference. It does not. He build- doesn't he have a right he to He didn't be commit here. a felony. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have a right here. to be in his country. What? But that has nothing to do with the fact that he was a He should have been deported! He He should have been deported! And this mayor and a police chief didn't deport him! Listen! Do you know how many people we have in jail? How many of them are illegal aliens? Illegal aliens commit crimes at a lower rate than citizens do. This guy they shouldn't do. have been. Cool, your jet That has nothing to do with illegal aliens. It has to do with drunk driving. It Don't doesn't. obscure he a tragedy to make a cheap political if point. It's a cheap political point. This is justice. This has nothing to do and with you that. Want want mayor. You want anarchy? You want nothing to do no. with that. Mayor. You want anarchy? No. What you I want? Open border anarchy. <laughs> what That's I want is fairness. We have lured people. We have lured. This pe- is we law. have lured these people oh, to this yeah. country with a frozen job in a country where there is basically full domestic employment. Right. We have, for decades, lured them here, this and now family, we're starting a mob scene. You're going to have, you're to, you no want one. your viewers to go knocking on people's doors? Door no, door. Are you an bull. illegal? I'm going to take you outside and do I something I want the to law enforced. History has seen what happens when you single out people. I want the law enforced, and, force. and then you, you don't, Bill. You have yeah, Congress, if they had the courage, the President of the United States, if you look at what he has to say, all want reasoned immigration reform. They but to do take this tragedy in Virginia Beach and make it about illegal aliens
10: it
7: is, is, is a sin. That's a sin. Wow. That's awesome. That was pretty awesome. That is awesome. Ooh. Why can't Fox News be like that more often?
6: <laughs> there's a. Uh, there's, uh, uh, Why can't Haralo be like that more
4: often? <laughs> yeah. And then Geraldo, just a couple of years later, told black kids that that's their
6: fault for wearing hoodies. Yeah. Right. So, consistency not the strong And point, also, farewell. I love how Bill says, I'm interested in justice. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to be interested in it. In uh, it's a, it's case.
4: amazing how he's, he, in this case, is doing exactly the thing he's, he's accusing uh, the liberal media of doing. Right. He's using someone's personal trage- tragedy to try to stir up mob justice uh-huh. and pointing a finger at somebody. And Geraldo Rivera says, you're doing this just to make a cheap political point. This has nothing to do with the legal Immigrant, illegal immigrants don't drink and drive at any higher rate than citizens mm, do or anybody mm. you're just trying to demonize them because right. they're not from this and that's exactly what he well, was doing uh,
7: uh you know i i would disagree with that slightly i think you can't ignore the fact that this person who got in here illegally if they hadn't got in here illegally that woman would be alive you can't ignore that yeah that you can't ignore that that but you is can't blame her.
4: inconsequential facts that's, I don't think it's inconsequential. In I just, don't think
7: it's the dominant say, fact. You're saying that if we just get rid of illegal immigrants, we wouldn't have drunk driving. No, I'm saying you can't ignore the fact that that person came here illegally. It factors so into you're it, saying, but it's not the so predominant thing that needs to be even, looked even at. If we,
4: even though illegal immigrants commit crimes at a lower rate than citizens, even though, so what you're de- doing is you're embracing a fact that distorts the issue. You're I'm, saying that's a good – that's an important fact even though it distorts the issue. I'm not embracing the fact. I'm saying it can't be completely ignored. Uh, it can be completely ignored. It has <laughs> I, nothing I, to I do disagree. with the case. It has nothing to – that, did that guy drink, drink and drive because he was an illegal immigrant?
7: No. So then what does it have to do with the case? Because it, uh, illegal immigrants do affect this country. They affect it in a by, positive way and they affect it in a, neg- crimes at in a, a, a negative lower rate. way. By committing crimes at a lower rate than citizens. They affect it in a positive way and in a negative way. And if you're going to look at the positive, you also have to look at the negative. But I think, that's all I I'm think saying. The could... negative is what? That they drink and drive at a higher rate? than. That the... they do the same crimes that we do.
4: They don't, though. They commit them at a lower rate, though. But
7: they do the same crimes but, that we do. But that statistic
4: but you're what you when you promote that statistic you are distorting the issue they
7: they're i'm not but I, I promoting promoting th- that statistic i'm just saying it shouldn't be completely ignored but okay i
6: i think you can factor in him being an illegal alien in the same sense that you can factor in a number of factors in drunk driving in other words you know the fact that that Economic alcohol, that alcohol that alcohol that, that alcohol is is a drug and yet it's legal. That there's commercials on TV right. that encourages. There's all kinds of right of so uh, he- things that you can work into the fact that the reason this person was driving drunk um on a, a night and killed someone, what led to that there 's a million things, and one of them is the fact that he was in that he was in this country yes and 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 you say and to, and for Bill o 'Reilly to make the point that the, you know uh, to
4: inflame people 's emotions by mm-hmm. saying, Look, we have a dead girl because of illegal immigration."
7: Is, uh, that's wrong. That's,
4: okay, that's, that's wrong. what I'm saying. Absolutely. That's right. That, that's wrong. what he's
7: doing. Yes, I think a, a even bigger point than the fact that this guy was an illegal, illegal immigrant is the fact that people are ignorant about what alcoholism is and, and how to treat it. Oh, that's, okay. You
6: know,
4: Good point.
11: Give me a second, I. but between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies, you know, I'm trying hard to take it back. So if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down, I'll carry you home tonight.
10: Racism without racists, a United States federal judge, one of the most respected and powerful actors in the nation's entire judicial system, sends a joke to a close circle of friends, so far so good. But the joke is a racist insult against both the sitting U.S. President and his mother. The word gets out and the judge promptly apologizes and states he isn't a racist. Of course he isn't. A judge, someone sworn to protect the legal, civil, and constitutional rights of all American citizens privately shares racist jokes about the President of the United States. But he's not a racist. Indeed, if the media is any measure, the only people portrayed as racist these days are black people, like Minister Louis Farrakhan or the late Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad. A few years ago, I saw a man standing in a Ku Klux Klan robe announce on a nationally televised talk show that he wasn't a racist. When no one is racist, then racism becomes invisible. It becomes the province of hypersensitive blacks who are called racist when they point out racism. And meanwhile, beyond symbol, lies a reality as bitter and as repressive as ever before for millions. Question, who do you call a judge who makes racist statements? Answer, your honor. From Imprison Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. All the facts
11: You guys don't have children, so you don't know about Dippin' Dots and and Disney princesses and things like
12: that. What? I, I'm familiar with Disney princesses. What is? What? What's wrong with being familiar with Disney, some? I watch Disney movies. What's wrong with that? Of course, Disney movies. I don't need. I don't shopper. need to have a child to be able to watch these did go, ridiculously. Did you go uh, to the
11: movies to
12: see the Princess and the Frog? No, okay, no, I, I'll oh. see. I'll see it at some point on. Um, on you haven't on seen Netflix. the Princess and the Frog? Actually, I did see uh, Princess and Frog. I just don't. Remember. It was, I think it was on Netflix. And so I watched yeah.
11: it. Well, anyway, so people are up in arms because there's some uh, dipping Dots that are out using the Disney, you know, Disney. Well, okay, now I don't know what Dippin' Dots are. Dippin' Dots is like ice cream, but they're uh, pellets and oh, the, they're magic. I'll I'll introduce you to Dippin' Dots. Anyway, um, so they're ice cream um, and they're Disney branded with the Disney princesses, right? Okay. And so people are up in arms because White Sleeping Beauty... Flavor of Dippin' Dots is vanilla. Okay. And the black Disney princess from The Princess and the Frog, her Dippin' Candy is called Oppression. Watermelon. Oh. Oh! I was gonna guess chocolate, not. So I- people are up in arms. Yeah.
12: I think Oppression would have been better. My arms are up. <laughs> My arms are, in fact, not up. I because I just believe that there was no one of color in that room when they made that decision.
11: Here's what I think should have happened when the approvals came, the the, the approval came across a person's desk. Whether they were white or black, it doesn't matter. And they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna, for Sleeping Beauty, we're gonna do vanilla. And for uh, Tiana, we're going to do watermelon. Mm, Yeah, I like the vanilla. Change Tiana to cherry and we're good. That's what. But
12: someone would have had to have an, have to acknowledge that that might uh, how that would have been what lo- would have looked like. I said I don't believe someone was like you know what let's mess with the black people yeah. let's put let's take the black princess and put her on put some watermelon on her like I don't, I don't believe that's what happened. Nope. I believe that it came down. They decided that, that that these were the flavors. And They're like all right, and no one in the room was that they didn't have a Jamal. I forget like new listeners don't know about Jamal. Um, <laughs> obviously, this place needed a Jamal. See. New listeners, for th- for those of you who aren't familiar with Jamal, uh, we suggested many, many, many episodes ago, probably like a hundred episodes ago, that in these type of situations you need someone who would have the common sense that apparently no one else at that place would have, and we nicknamed this person Jamal because sometimes you just have to ask Jamal a question and you can be cl- certain things can be cleared up. Like, hey, Jamal, should we help the black princess be watermelon, watermelon flavored? Nah, that's stupid. <laughs> that could be perceived as racist, and so why would you want to have that type of problem for no necessary reason? Valid. Valid. It says that we should move forward. They didn't have a Jamal. I'm telling you, every department needs a Jamal. You just need someone to be able to like, hey, hey, yo, Jamal,
11: <laughs> we got this idea. We're gonna do A, B, and C, and Jamal can calm you the hell down. <laughs> Somebody said they forgot <laughs> to include Jamal on in the Outlook invite. <laughs>
12: yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, when they was when, when it was CCing people, they totally did not CC <laughs> the <laughs> department of Jamal. They was like, "All right, we need to, we need to, uh hit uh, marketing branding uh, uh flavor. Uh, just thing? a simple thing. Just
11: change it to cherry. So if much. you wanted red, you can still have red. <laughs> just be cherry.
13: They skipped it because uh, Jamal always poo poo's all my ideas. <laughs> It's lowering our department's morale.
12: Jamal just tells all of us to shut up and think every- all of our ideas are stupid. And, I, and I, don't, I don't really think he's a team player. I don't really, really like <laughs> working with Jamal. <laughs> Jamal, I mean, when was the last thing we brought something to Jamal, and he liked it? Remember when we were going to do that whole thing where we had white hoodies? Uh, and and yes, the, the, the hood part was a little bit pointy, but like mm. I thought it was really cool. And Jamal was like, it was stupid, and that it would remind people of of, 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 the, of the hated Ku Klux Klan. I don't even understand what he was seeing. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, we had to stop it. We that, that whole project was scrapped because Jamal just does not work. Why couldn't he work with us? Why couldn't he work with us? I hate him. you just need a Jamal you just need a dude who's gonna be there and just will yell at you and say that's stupid you need because we live in a time where we're not allowed to just tell people something is dumb or stupid and that's that's just idiotic you shouldn't do that because currently everyone's thought process is valid that is not true that is (laughs) stupid no not everyone's thought process is valid some people's thought process is stupid some people's thought process is based on ignorance and they don't have the information to have a proper thought process so guess what that would imply if you don't have the information to make a proper th- uh, 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 to make a uh, uh, a reasonable uh, uh, uh decision, then your thought process is stupid. It's 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 not needed for this. There are certain things that I'm not allowed to have a have uh, thoughts on. I just know, like 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 this weekend when I was at, a, at the wedding, mm. I ran into someone. Uh, apparently, I'm about to be married uh, married into of uh, this uh, family, and one of my quote unquote cousin in laws is a rocket scientist. He's an actual rocket scientist and i was talking to him about some stuff and i realized that there were certain things my thought process was stupid like I, I don't i know nothing about rocket
11: science
13: did you ask him whether it was hard
11: <laughs> well <laughs> I, feel
12: I like I, I, you that's you the
3: first
11: question you, i would ask him would i, was ask like, a, rocket I, I mean, a
13: rocket scientist is you, well real
12: talk is is it is it difficult
13: that's mm-hmm. all i would ask last question i'm not gonna ask him anymore because i don't know
12: Sir, I'm just saying i did not ask if it was difficult uh, sure. But the point is, there's certain things I understand that there's certain he understands a lot of uh, stuff about rocket science that because he was talking about just like how like certain things are being made and stuff like that. I'm like I don't, sir, I'm not even I don't even think about like even the the, the 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 undercurrent of what you just said. That's that no, I'm not doing that. But let's be real. I know for a fact that I, that I don't, my thought process on certain things is stupid. Certain thought processes are stupid, and we need to be able to say that. There needs to be someone in a company to go, What you just said was dumb. What you just said does not help in any shape, form, or fashion. Please leave my office. <laughs> or what I would say, get the out of my office. <laughs> but I can't do that. I can't do that. I would, I would totally do that.
11: I'll be waiting.
8: an ohio landlord is refusing to apologize for posting a whites only pool sign because it's historical in september the ohio civil rights commission ruled that a white landlord jamie Hine, violated the state's civil rights act by posting a sign at the pool of her duplex that read public swimming pool whites only the black tenant there filed a discrimination complaint with the commission after hein accused his teenage daughter of using chemicals in her hair that were clouding the water lewis and she posted the sign just a few days later on the gate to the pool and hein is not apologizing at all and and is actually asking the commission to reconsider and said if i have to stick up for my white rights i have to stick up for my white rights uh... what rights well, the rights to post signs that say "white only in the pool apparently, and uh, she recently defended her actions by saying it 's a historical sign. The sign is an antique and only a decoration
0: you know what uh, I think there might be something uh, something a little underhanded going on here i don 't think
8: it 's just historical in in her eyes no i i think you 're absolutely right the qu- the sign reads. Uh, it's, the sign is dated 1931 from Alabama. And, you know, landlords and businesses are subject to the 1968 Civil Rights Act and Fair Housing Act, Act, which very specifically prohibits discriminating against customers and tenants on the basis of race, sex, religion, color, handicap, familial status, or national origin. But remember, in Rand Paul's America, this sign is okay. Right people and businesses should have the right to put up signs like this. And you know what, it is just a historical sign. If somebody were to now put up a sign that said this bathroom is for whites only, everybody would know right away it's just a goof. Nobody would be offended, Lewis.
10: Mhm.
8: I mean, I uh I
0: think it's important that these signs are still around. I think it's it's good that we have them, but I think uh
8: to be- look at them and see what was around.
0: The only place they should be is really in like a museum.
8: Right. How do you say that again? Yeah continuing <laughs> a museum Come on. sure okay um <laughs> okay let's not get into that discussion again into the high school discussion
11: This week we talked about a racist bumper sticker that went viral on the internet it basically uh, featured Barack Obama and it said don't renig in 2012, right. and of course, "renig" was spelled R-E-N-I-G. There's the bumper sticker right there. Well, the person who sells those stickers is a, a woman by the name of Paula Smith. Uh, she owns a business known as Stickatude.com, mm-hmm. and she was interviewed by the press and asked, you know, why are you selling a racist bumper sticker? Well, she defended uh, the word "nig." In fact, she says, according to the dictionary, the N-word does not mean black. It means low down, lazy, sorry, low down person. That's what the N word means.
1: Oh, that makes it so much better.
11: <laughs> I know, seriously. Disastrous defense. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, oh, that's uh, what you were referring to President Obama as. And by the way, uh, has it colloquially been used against black people? Hmm, has it been? I can't quite tell for hundreds of years in this country. <laughs> and then, if that wasn't clear enough, when we did the original story, the other stickers. Uh, that she had was Obama twenty twelve with a chimpanzee in that uh, bumper sticker. What does that mean? Is that that's also not racist? How about the other one that said the original boys in the hood and showed the Klan? No, not no, enough. no. If you look it up in the dictionary, actually, the Ku Klux Klan means people who are against low down dirty people of undetermined race. Yeah, boy, is this weak sauce.
11: Also, she thought that the bumper stickers were cute.
14: That's why she decided to start selling them. Oh,
1: very cute! Such a
14: cute bumper sticker.
1: Jr., do you know anything (laughs) cuter than racism?
6: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of cute. But
12: uh, that was the question I asked earlier. How many people has she called? How many white folks has she called? These names, because you know, it means low down and lazy and disgusting. And actually, I don't know how you don't get this. You live. There was monkeys on there because, you know, obviously, as you guys believe, there's evolution.
13: They're our closest ancestors. Come on, dude. <laughs> Think about it.
15: There's people on the
13: street get diseases from monkeys. Yeah, that's what I said They get diseases from monkeys Now there's junkies with monkey disease Who's touching these monkeys? Please leave these poor sick monkeys alone They got problems enough as it is.
8: man is lying on the street Some punk's chopped off his hair I'm the only one who stops To see if he's dead mm. Turns out he's dead And that's why I'm singing Why?
15: What is wrong with the world today? What's wrong with the world today? What, what is wrong with the world today?
12: Hey. You gotta think about it. I, as everyone knows, um I, I I have a web series called This Week in Blackness. And uh I've I've covered lots of topics on the show. And uh one of the topics I did very early on, like this is like November no, not November, October. Twenty, I mean, two thousand eight. I did a video called uh, "White Privilege," and it was I, I was talking about uh, an, an essay that was written by uh, at the time someone I was un- unfamiliar with, but I really liked it. His name was Tim Wise, uh, and I didn't know the dude, but I really appreciated the video. And I was talking about the concept of white privilege, and I read a quote from him. So this video has been a lightning rod for dumb nonsense sent to me, dumb comments, emails, stuff like that. To this day, people are still looking up. On white privilege. And today I got a video. Uh, uh, someone uh, decided to email me. Uh, actually no. They decided to uh, do a video response. Because you can do that. On YouTube you can post a video response. Uh, to someone else's video. And so they decided to send a video response. I don't have to accept it. I don't actually have to post it. And acknowledge your video response. But I will get an email saying. Someone has posted a video response to. About white privilege. Uh, and I looked at the the, uh, the description. And it said. To all you color fanatics out there, watch this video. Maybe it will help you pull out whatever thingy you had stuck up your a hole. Speaking of all the, uh, speaking to all the races out there. Luckily in the twenty first century, we have science to prove who we are and where we come from, and blah blah blah. And so I was like, what is, what, why is he, what is, what is this thing that he sent to me? And it was an, it was a part of a, a, a one, it was one part of a three part episode of Eyes of Nye, like, like Bill, you know Bill, Bill, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Of course. Well, apparently he has a show called Eyes of Nye. I was unfamiliar with this, mm-hmm. and he was he did something about race. Uh and uh, here's a clip of the thing that the dude maybe uh, felt like it needed to be a response to about white privilege.
14: More information. But what this says to me overall is that those features of race that we are all very good at picking up.
12: So, uh, obviously, Bill Nye is a science guy. He is, in fact, a science guy. And so this was more of a scientific look about race. And so this is what you're hearing. Skin
14: color and hair color and eye shape and eye color, which are certainly genetic, are absolutely real, but they're not representative. These are representative bits of DNA. And these bits of DNA are absolutely shared population to population, 93% of the entire world's variation you find in every population. If we compare two Africans by any measure except skin color, Mm -hmm. we'll find as much variation between two Africans as we will between someone from Africa and someone randomly selected from somewhere else in the world. From
12: Japan. Sure. So I posted a video about white privilege and... Uh, The the response to my video about this week in Blackness about white privilege is to tell me that race is a construct and that race doesn't really matter. If you look at uh, DNA, uh, race is not even a thing. Skin
14: color is determined by sequence at a gene called the melanocortin receptor locus. Humans have this sequence. Cows have this sequence. Mice have this sequence. Mammals generally have this sequence. Cows vary in skin color and consequently in fur color. Just like humans do, cows do
12: not care. See, because cows, cows don't give, don't give don't 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 care at all about about color. You see that cow like that? I mean, how 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 dare we discuss and uh, and go directly at race like this when cows have the same issues and they don't see color? Cows don't judge each other based on the color of their cow hides. No, why is that? Cause they're cows.
1: They're all the same species, and they know it, or they act like they know it.
12: I I can't tell you the annoyance I had with this because it's 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 a thing that pops up a lot when I'm when when I discuss race and when I talk about color and I talk about white privilege and stuff like that. People love to jump on the race is a social construct thing and. And, and and for this to be the response to me discussing white privilege, like, well, you don't understand, well, color's not even a thing. um It implies that I'm being silly by going with this whole color thing. Like, I'm insane, and I really need to just get over it, where, I don't know if you knew this, I wasn't the one that made it a thing. I don't know if you were aware of this, uh, Elroy, that I was not the one who decided...
11: I thought you created it.
12: Right when I decided, like race and decided, something, like that, I made up race, and that's what is that's what's mean, happening I here. What the hell? You give you all
11: power to
13: damn white people. <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid.
11: Yeah, that's what disturbs me about this. Is the any all of the comments people are about racism? So you know, social constructs. not real. It's not scientific. But, like it, you're telling the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah, need to be telling us.
12: Yeah, black people have never been like, man, man, we are so different. And from our DNA up, we are just so. That has never been an argument no. for any person of color ever. In our fact, DNA, I think
11: a lot of our language has things like "we are all the same," "we should be treated like human beings" because we're all. The, I feel like a lot of our language over the past century. Hey,
5: you're not going to meet a cow racist. It's not going to happen. See, they just
1: they're just cow friends. there enjoying a meal together. You know what? Maybe the cows
5: don't overthink it. Maybe that's it. Or there's some cow in
13: Alabama kicking a Mexican beard. guy, laughing to himself <laughs> about the thing he saw on YouTube, where it says you won't meet a cow racist. Like <laughs> crazy naive science, dude. Uh,
12: I, 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 I,
5: uh, uh, what does all this variation mean about race?
14: To me, it means that people vary enormously from each other, and that the great majority of that variation is shared by everyone and that the features that we can easily detect when we look at people from what we call different races are important but extremely superficial features based on a very small number of genes that have been selected during human evolution.
12: So the question becomes: Why do people like us name shows like "Blacking It Up" and me do "This Week in Blackness" and all that stuff, or whatever? I mean, if race is just that's nothing. It's, it is what is it zero point zero one percent or something. Mm-hmm. So superficial. Then why, why harp on it? The,
13: I don't know if you ever noticed. The reality is that for us to get to the other side of any type of ra- of of racism, it would require hundreds of years of conversation. Who wants to do that? (laughs) Seriously, literally, it would require hundreds of years of us talking to each other openly about our differences before we can get to the other side of it. So, realistically, the whole thing where people, it was just a social construct, technically... They, they're just choosing the easiest road, and I don't. And to a point, I don't blame them.
12: It's not them. the easiest road. It's a stupid road. It's literally ignoring the, the, I, the current reality. It's something that we do on a regular basis as a society: is that we decide to ignore what is actually happening. Progressives and liberals do it all the time. The rules change, and we should be changing our whole strategy. And they're like, "No, we are going to live like this because this is the way it's supposed to be." But no one else is following those rules. Yeah.
11: So no one else telling, is following those rules. Telling us to follow a rule when racism is not. The problem that we have is the problem that the racist has. If the you're, problem is with the racist, you're not, not the-, the people that are...
12: Unless, unless we were actually uh, completely going, uh, going 125th Street and start, start talking about our midichlorians uh, and blackness, I don't know, and and and, and mitochondria. And people
6: were our
3: people have by the force.
6: Our
12: people have it. Right, we have the force, and that we, we uh, white people never had the force because they had a low midichlorian count. That would be a completely different argument if we were if, if, if we were out there like I had my full on Wonder Woman breaks and stuff like that, and so someone wanted to come at me like that. But it's like I'm talking about a reality. I'm talking about what is a current. Situation right now. And when you go hyper science on this, all you do is annoy me because it doesn't help. It is like, oh, well, now that you've, oh, now that we've talked about the science of it, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to completely, completely be able to go catch that cab tomorrow because the science says that we're all the same. Taxi!
11: Because you can hold the science book. Taxi! <laughs> I said taxi! You can get a taxi with a science book.
12: Maybe if I could just, ha- maybe if I just have this video playing on my iPad as the cab is driving by, I'm like, no, no, race! But as
14: soon as we look beyond those,
11: yeah. I just need to go there down.
14: are no archetypes that no separate archetypes. people from one continent of origin. I'm going to Brooklyn!
11: <laughs> I'm going to
13: Brooklyn! <laughs> wait, 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 slow down. Wait, where are you going? The light's red. Stop! Don't go through the red! <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh...
12: And, but, and, and and it's problematic because a lot of people they want to oh they want to push this down and I see people make the argument especially I see young people doing it all the time and they want to make the argument I, and when I say young I mean like young young I like, know like but fresh as college. I'm saying it's
13: rooted it's rooted in impatience do you do you, if you're 21 year old, can you understand the concept of something requiring hundreds of years to work past as a people
12: the point it's it's not about working past. It's about just understanding the current situation.
13: I know, but that's what you have to – that's a part of truly understanding racism is to understand that we're nowhere near done with it at all. And that's not something a 20-year-old can fathom something – a concept so large that they are, ne- they will never see the end of it in their lifetime.
12: I feel like that's like having an argument about like, 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 hey, I'm in a house. They're like, actually, you're not in a house. You're floating through space right now in <laughs> infinite black. It's like <laughs> –
3: no, no, I'm in my house. No,
12: no, 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 no. no Scientifically speaking, after the Big Bang, there was these, there was uh, all these, uh, uh, planets and stars were created, and then there was a star that, uh, uh that uh, all of a sudden pulled in via its, uh, uh, uh its, uh, what it is a gravitational pull force, and then the, uh, the this particular planet was just a, a uh, 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 certain distance away. So, but you're like the planet is just not, that's not even anything. I got that's even just, more simple for That's you. just constructs.
11: Where you're actually spinning right now.
13: That person would get a taser in the center of their chest. (laughs) I don't want to listen to somebody walk right up to me and then tell me that I'm not in the house, but I'm sitting in a damn house because (laughs) of some some nonsense.
11: There's certain things...
12: There's certain uh, 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 details or or fights about, about specifics that don't help this situation or grow this situation ever and it's on both sides it's not just conservatives doing this nonsense liberals will throw this out there too especially if they feel like you're being you're having too uh, too much identity politics with your particular identity and not with the whole cause they will all of a sudden throw out there listen man we're just people scientifically there are no races Race is made up and you're just like shut up I don't shut up that doesn't help me that doesn't help anything
11: you yelling that does not help
12: anything
11: and and while I know scientifically you can compare, you know DNA with cows and human beings, where I have a we're higher. Just, I we're just floating in infinite space. Home. I would we're argue that yeah. that's the most. That's the most. Until in- so we're. Different than
13: cows. That's the most intellectual so. way of putting your fingers in your ear and going la 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 you can possibly about the subject of race is You can by saying yes. that we're all humans. I don't want to hear it.
12: You're right. Cows are
3: not even. That is
12: a valid. That, that is exactly what it is. It is the it like is the la 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 us. when you have to deal with the fact that uh, we live in a society where race, uh, where the construct of race has in fact played a a humongous role in everything, and we are still living under that construct. And you yelling at me about science will not all of a sudden. Jam- Change that construct unless you can in fact inject your science like as if like uh, you can plug plug into the matrix and you can just download this science and overwrite everyone else's current view of race and you just overwrite it via this matrix upload and you're just like, "Wow, I understand race and that it's not a race." Let's go, Agent Smith. Like, it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like, you can't – and it just just annoys me because then all of a sudden I now have to – I have to now explain to you why your argument is stupid. And then the person starts to go with me like, it's science. You just have to accept it. I'm not – I mean, I'm just saying – I can't say the M F R word, but, uh, but mf really. <laughs> it's yeah, it's that that's that thing. It's so lots
11: of things that exist that.
12: And these are the type of I get stupid stuff like this all the time. People really want to break me when it comes to race, and I know I, because and I understand. I've I've paid in a big race uh, bullseye on my chest with this week in Blackness Someone, and Black. Everybody it up. is
11: trying to challenge you right. for that moment where you'll be like, Oh,
12: oh my god, oh my god, you're oh right. No. I didn't understand. I totally didn't get
11: that.
12: Oh my God. I don't, I don't know why I didn't just go along with this. My I'm such a life. fool. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up.
11: And again, to, to the point, they just target it towards the wrong people. Like, you need to target it toward the people who are racist, who believe that, uh, African Americans or, uh, other people of color, um, aren't equal to them. It's Indeed. not. It's not us.
12: Yep. Oops. It's not us. So I, I just, I felt like I needed to actually address this. I'm ho- I, I, eventually I'm going to, ha- I want a catalog one day that is just all of my thoughts on all this stuff. I want it to be like someone to actually sit down and just like take answers to things and just put it there. Like I would love for someone to be like, computer, what about race as a construct? And all of a sudden it just like pulls up the conversation <laughs> we have It just goes, shut up, shut up, shut up, and then mm. go from there. And like I, I believe I have enough video and audio now that I could totally create the uh, what do you call it this this, this uh, the the the, uh, the virtual Elon that just that just tells people to shut up and explains to them why the thing they did just said about race is stupid because <laughs> it's stupid a lot of times. Al Joy, is there something else we got? I mean, otherwise, I mean, I can keep doing this. A long distance phone
9: call to an old racist buddy, two dollars. Refreshments for a white power meeting, ten dollars explaining to a racist that all people have the same genes and that our external appearance which is used to classify us into races represents
12: only 0.01 percent of our genes priceless see they're trying to help they're actually trying to help and it's just like that's not your your argument's not that's not helping because that's not the, the We're not having a fight. What's the
13: cost of being shot in front of your house by a a neighborhood watchman?
12: Yeah, because you look suspicious.
13: Was there a cost to that? Is is that at the end of the video?
11: Do we have
12: science, maybe? I don't think so. Is there science? Maybe there's a a scientific formula that can uh, explain that.
0: thanks for listening, everyone. I sincerely hope that you are as excited as I am about part three of three of my epic commentary series. Uh, But before we get to that, this has been a really amazing week in terms of numbers, and I would be remiss if I did not uh, share some of these numbers with you. And so uh, I'll start with the low numbers first. Uh, The first number, yesterday, I turned 29. So congratulations to me. And just be aware that uh, you can trust me for one more year. So I, I want you to know that. Uh, number two today is, of course, episode number six hundred. So good job, everyone. Keep up, uh, keep up the good work. And um, earlier this week, just a day or two ago, uh, Facebook, the the Facebook page for Best of the Left, reached five thousand people liking it. So that's a nice round number. Thanks to everyone who uh, who decided to take the time to do that. And the largest number by far, ten million career downloads best of the left just a few days ago this week reached uh combining all of all 600 episodes i mean well not even 600 but like 598 episodes and um over the course of six plus years all of the downloads of every episode ever downloaded just reached 10 million and that is uh you know let's, let's not beat around the bush and not say that that's a big deal it's a pretty big deal So now, as if this week of numbers and this episode in particular weren't already epic enough, because this is going to be a a, a good commentary, um, episode number 601, I just want to warn you, will be profoundly different from any show I've ever made, and and therefore different than anything you've ever heard, and uh, it will contain a major announcement. So the show itself will be different, and there will be a major announcement. Don't miss either of those things. I, I basically insist that you not miss either of those things. And now... For part three, the stirring conclusion of my commentary series I've come to call The Blindness of Exuberance. So following up on the stories of Mike Daisy and the Apple Factory and Coney 2012, I want to tell the more complicated version of the story of the new documentary film, Bully, which I saw in the theater about a week ago. So the movie wants to start a conversation about bullying in American junior high and high schools and so to to do this the film follows the stories of you know about five or six kids who are victims of bullying in one capacity or another two of which have already committed suicide when the movie begins. And uh, so I'm going to start reading in a minute from a Slate article written by Emily Bazelon, which focuses on one of the suicide victims, Tyler Long. And to be clear, this article addresses many more factors beyond Tyler's clinical mental state that I'm not addressing for the sake of time and focus, but all the articles that I'm referencing are going to be linked in the show notes of today's show. So Emily says in her article, Tyler, who died when he was a junior, was diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar disorder, and Asperger's. These facts all come from a brief filed by the Murray County School District in response to a lawsuit filed by Long's family, which blames school officials for Tyler's death and demands $1.7 million in damages. The family's brief in response doesn't dispute these facts, saying instead that they are irrelevant and immaterial. You will learn none of this from watching Bully. And so this is me again. That is exactly why I'm telling you. If you, if you couldn't guess, uh, the fact that these details were left out of the movie is why you are hearing this story from me right now. Continuing with the article. To Ann Haas, a senior project specialist for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, this was a serious error. When I played bully for Haas, she recoiled in horror, and I don't use that word lightly. Quote, to leave Tyler's mental health problems out of the film is an egregious omission, she said. Quote, It is really misinformation. The filmmakers had the opportunity to present bullying as a trigger, as one factor that played a role in a young person's suicide. But to draw a direct line without referencing anything else, I'm appalled, honestly. That is hugely, hugely unfortunate. From Haas's point of view, by presenting such an incomplete version of the facts— Hirsch, who is the uh, director of the film, Hirsch has created a real risk of suicide contagion, the documented phenomenon of people mimicking suicidal behavior in light of media representations. Quote, I worry terribly about the contagion effect, Haas said. One message of the movie is, quote, bullying kills. As if it's a normal response to kill yourself, when of course most people who are bullied don't do that. Young people who feel bullied could hearken back to the movie, and it could be a powerful draw to suicide for them. If Tyler had been accurately portrayed as a kid with mental health challenges that were very hard for him to manage, he wouldn't seem so attractive. We might feel sympathy for him, but he wouldn't have the emotional pull of a character who is being romanticized. When you turn a real person who had a very painful, distressing life into a kind of fairy tale character, that's something young people are much more likely to identify with, and I identification is at the heart of contagion, unquote. And so now at this point, let's just think back to Mike Daisy and the way he manipulated the facts about his trip to the Apple factory to strengthen the emotional impact of his story and the catastrophic fallout from that decision, okay? Emily continues, I ask Hirsch why he didn't mention Tyler's diagnosis, quote, I really felt that by not disclosing it, We wouldn't allow audiences to prejudge, he said. It was a decision we thought about a lot. Ultimately, we thought the film would be more powerful without it. Unquote. Are you kidding me? Like this is driving me crazy at this point so it was it was upon reading this sentence that i knew without a shadow of a doubt that i was not only doing this commentary but all three of these commentaries like this is an issue that needs to be talked about in whatever small way i can this is yet another person who and why it's why i call it the blindness of exuberance he's so passionate about his issue that he doesn't trust his own audience to take the correct message from his film unless he distorts the facts by simply removing them. And and so he distorts the characters by not portraying them as entire people. He portrays them as, you know, normal people who are a little bit odd for reasons that aren't explained and bullied and that's it. (sighs) Okay. And so now – Again, to be completely clear, there are other elements of this movie and the stories of the teenagers that are discussed in these articles that I'm not addressing in this commentary because they are outside the realm of my thesis, which I totally get is a little bit ironic considering what my thesis is of you know oversimplification. But I'm focusing on autism because it is the intersection of criticisms of the movie coming not only from M- Emily Bazelon's piece, but another piece from a totally different direction, which I'm about to get to. And, but again, I'll be posting all the links to all the articles I'm referencing in the show notes, and I highly recommend you read them all and begin to understand the full depth of the complicated nature of these stories. Uh, so moving on, to, uh, to the very different critical perspective that also addresses the issue of autism. So this comes from Landon Bryce at thoughtcast.com. That is, it's spelled funny, I'm gonna to link to it in the show notes, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a website dedicated to issues uh, surrounding autism. And Landon writes, this is before he saw the movie Bully, he writes, there are two Tylers in this video Tyler Long, whose parents were unable to convince his school to even hold a moment of silence for him, and Tyler Clementi, a gay student who killed himself and whose death has caused demonstrations of mourning across the nation. I have the traits that caused both to be target for bullies. I am autistic and gay. To me, to make a movie that tells Tyler Long's story without mentioning his autism is like telling Tyler Clementi's story without saying that he was gay. One Tyler was bullied because of the stuff that gay kids do, having a guy over to his room. One Tyler was bullied because of stuff kids with Asperger's do, stuttering and being awkward around other people, unquote. So before I move on, we're getting to the point of why I made the show that I made today uh, about racism. And I specifically wanted to include the segment, uh, so think back to the Blacking It Up segment uh, where they were discussing the science of race. So, uh, this, the point someone was trying to make in giving a video response to Elon James White talking about white privilege was that race was a social construct. It Scientifically, it doesn't even exist, and therefore it should not matter. It should not matter. Remember that. <laughs> Elon James White and company uh, on Blackened It Up responded by effectively saying that, yes, it would be very nice if race didn't matter, we would be in favor of that. But unfortunately, it does, regardless of the science. Okay, so keep that in mind. And so, in in response to this, uh, you know, this excerpted piece from uh, Landon Bryce about autism and comparing autistic kids to gay kids, a mother also attached. To uh, the movie through her uh, child being featured in the movie responds to that article, and I'm I'm going to read the exchange uh, that that goes on. So the mother of a kid named Alex says, "I usually don't comment on the things that I read, but this subject holds a place in my heart, and I therefore feel the need to speak out. My son Alex is also a subject of bully." He also has Asperger's, and it was also kept out of the film. Admittedly, at first, I did not prefer it because of the comments people would make about Alex's, quote, weird behaviors in the film. I thought if they had an understanding as to why, it may have softened their sometimes cruel remarks. However, after being around the country and meeting so many families and kids who have been tormented by this issue, I came to realize that it should not matter." This is not a film about Asperger's. It is a film about bullying. It shouldn't matter if it's Asperger's, homosexuality, race, religion, or even if the child is just perceived as, quote, weird for no reason at all. All kids have the right to be protected and feel safe at school. Uh okay, and so now at at this point, I want to introduce you to a new privilege you probably didn't even know you were um Of course, not everyone is privileged in this way who's listening I'm sure but uh but a lot of people i you know I think I'm going to introduce you to a new term, and uh that term is neurotypical meaning not autistic, so congratulations, you're privileged in yet another way you probably didn't even realize uh so you need to know that term. And now Landon Bryce continues, I cannot tell you how wrong – I responding to the Alex's mother, I cannot tell you how wrong I think you are. The bullying of autistic people is a crisis in and of itself in the same way that the bullying of gay people is. Autism is not a dirty little secret. It should not be treated as something that needs to be hidden to make neurotypical people willing to sympathize with us. Alex's mother responds, I do not feel that chopping everyone up into groups and arguing about who endures the most is ever going to get us anywhere. My entire point is based on the fact that it shouldn't matter for what reason a child is bullied, only that it should not be tolerated. Okay, me again. Exactly her entire point is based on an idea that is very nice in a fantasy world that does not exist it is extremely easy to agree with her that it should not matter but it is impossible for me to agree with her that it does not matter in the same way that you cannot say that just because race doesn't exist you know genetically that you know, as Elon pointed out, it's it means he's going to be able to go and catch a, a cab in New York City really, really easily now because uh, race doesn't matter anymore. We proved it scientifically. Okay, Landon continues in a follow up article. This is a few days later, and and he he talks about uh, recently seeing the movie To Kill a Mockingbird for the first time, and uh, and then after seeing that movie, he also sees a documentary film about it. Uh, called Hey Boo, Harper Lee, and To Kill a Mockingbird. In it, and and so now reading from Landon's article uh, uh, about his – Situation, He says, in it, historian uh, Diane McWhorter talks about going to see the movie with her fifth grade class. In Hey Boo, McWhorter recalls being upset that Atticus didn't get Tom Robinson off because he was clearly innocent. But she noted that because of her 1950s, 1960s Deep South upbringing, she was, quote, upset about being upset, unquote. And just to clarify, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, come out from under that rock. But... Um, Tom Robinson is a black guy, wrongfully convicted, uh, classic story of, you know, southern justice. And uh, so continuing with Landon's piece, McWhorter thought that, quote, by rooting for a black man, you were kind of betraying every principle that you had been raised to believe. What would my father think if he saw me fighting back these tears when Tom Robinson gets shot? Because at the time, quote, to be crying for a black man was so taboo. She recalls confronting the difficulty that Southerners have in going against people that they love, and so Landon continues, and he's about to reference uh, Kelby, who is a uh, a lesbian who came out and and was of course horribly bullied, and her entire family was basically bullied by the the very small town they lived in, including the students, parents teachers, and administration all the way up that I think they ended up leaving town. Landon continues, I would bet there are people who had a similar experience yesterday when the new documentary Bully moved to wide release in the United States. Kelby is such an appealing figure and the treatment she experienced so obviously unfair that people who might never have empathized with a gay person before have very likely been forced into a new experience. There are also a lot of people who had the experience of crying for an autistic person yesterday for the first time in their lives because they saw Bully and were moved by the stories of Alex Libby and Tyler Long, but the movie does not force them to question their prejudices against autistic people in the same way that it might force others to question their bias against gay people because it never mentions their autism. He continues. Producer Lee Hirsch has written back to me, expressing hurt feelings and insisting on the good intentions that he and his partner Cynthia Lowen have. I don't question those intentions at all, but meaning well is not enough. I wish Bully gave people the same experience that Diane McWhorter had with *To Kill a Mockingbird* in relation to autistic people. I left the theater loving Alex and Tyler. Other people left loving them too. People cried for the pain of people like me and did not know it. It would have taken nothing away from the film for the character's disabilities to be shared. It would not have made it a movie about autism any more than Kelby talking about coming out makes it a movie about being gay. Is It is a movie about being bullied. Being clearer about why kids could get bullied could only have made it stronger. And he finishes the article the way I finished my last two commentaries. Bully will start a lot of good conversations. It might awaken compassion and concern. It will do good. But it will also start a lot of overly simplistic conversations. It is likely to inspire people to adopt inadequate solutions out of panic and expediency. It will do harm. So… From two different perspectives, leaving out this critical information from the movie can be hurtful in two different ways. From the clinical suicide prevention perspective, idealizing, even if done accidentally, these kids can heighten the risk of suicide contagion by at-risk teenagers. And then from the perspective of at least this one autistic commentator, hiding these kids' autism from the audience betrays those kids as individuals. And the autistic community as a whole, not to mention preventing those audience members from potentially confronting their prejudices about autistic people and giving them a chance to develop, uh, you know, well-rounded policies that address the issues at their root causes rather than glossing over all of the causes entirely. And at this point, I want to thank Ben who sent in a clip to me after hearing my first part one of this commentary about Mike Daisy and the Apple factory. And what you're about to hear comes from that clip he sent, which is from up with Chris Hayes on MSNBC discussing Mike Daisy. Here's an interview Daisy did with Seattle radio and podcast host Luke Burbank back in May, in which Burbank explicitly confronts him on the question of the factualness of his work.
2: How do you reconcile the telling a good story with also trying to get the facts right? Oh, and when do you decide what is
15: the more important goal? Oh, well, you know what I've found over the years is that the facts are your friends. Like uh, if there's ever a case where I'm telling a story and I find the facts are inconvenient, uh, nine times out of ten, it means I haven't thought about the story deeply enough. I really believe in this because the world is more complex and more interesting than my imagination so the world is full of really fascinating things and you have so many tools on stage as a storyteller like anytime you want something to happen you don't have to pretend it happened and lie you can use a flight of fancy you can say I imagine what this must look like. You can say anything and you can go in whatever direction you need to go, but be clear with the audience that you are at one moment you're reporting the truth that has literally happened and in another case, you're using hyperbole and you just have to be really clear about when you're using each tool. Um, no for me, it's not actually it's 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 not that it's not actually that hard um, if and this is a big if if you're pretty scrupulous about not believing you know the story before you see it.
0: I agree with Mike Daisy. As a progressive who is interested in dealing with the world as it is, rather than how I wish it was, I believe that the facts are your friends. Use them when telling your stories and demand them from people who tell you theirs. That's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening and supporting the show. My name is Jay and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.
6: Thank you. you floor who'll take you out in the open door this is not my life it's just a fun flower to a friend it's not what I'm like it's just a fun flower